0: In my experience, work-life balance is extremely difficult to do when you love what you do because it's one of those things where your resource and your value seem like they align. That's a great place to be. I think what is really challenging about balancing right, your job and then your life outside of that, you're doing the things that you need to do to foster success in your job and in your life. Right? It seems like it's an actual part of you. Now, on the other side of things, It's still very difficult to balance work-life if you don't love what you do. I think the problem here is that we see self as the resource needed. It's a simple understanding that I'm in this job because I know things that pertain to this job. My name is Jordan Bishop and I want to welcome you to the Embrace Your Truly podcast. The whole idea behind these conversations, this podcast, is to develop the practice of connecting with self. I want to talk about your heart, how you feel, how you think, and what's truly important to you. And maybe you don't know yet, and that's cool too. But it's conversations like these that help us better understand the purpose of all of our emotions and all of our thoughts. There's the world, there's life, there's your life, and there's you. And we're going to start with you. Because when we embody a self-embraced framework everything in life becomes much less complicated. So let's talk about you. Let's dive into the version of you that only you know. All right, welcome back or welcome to Embracers Truly. In the past couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about battling the ego. For me, it's been really important to have those conversations because it's one of those things that is really present in our life. But until we give attention to it, it's going to continue to control multiple facets of our life. You know, and having two full weeks of ego dialogue in my head, it led me down the thought flow of what it actually means to be human. In broadening this outlook on what it's like to be human, it also helped me zoom in on what being a human being actually means. You know, as we journey through this episode, there's two specific things that I really want you to hold on to. I want you to keep in mind the human value and the human resource, and ultimately dive into the question of, are they the same thing? Is value and resource the same thing? It's up to you to decide. So when I look at being human, there's a very, very simple example that I want to use to describe what it means to be human to me. Picture this. You're standing in front of me. I'm standing in front of you. You look me in my eyes. I look you in your eyes. You see me see you. I see you see me, which means that we see each other. The simple exchange in the imagery that I just gave you was what? It's connection. Through the visual aspect of literally seeing one another, there's a connection that's made. I want you to hold on to that example when I talk about the human value. Depending on the language that you use to describe your life, depending on how you choose to communicate your own story, it's going to depend on how you determine what being a human actually means. I think we either dive into how we connect with others which is my personal approach or if you go on the other route of seeing ourselves as a resource we're going to be task oriented we're going to be needs oriented where if i have a need i need to go get it from somewhere else or if somebody has a need maybe i have what they're looking for so then i can offer that service so that's a general overlook of what it is that we're really going to dive into and i really just want to touch on this today So when we expand this back out, right, we look at the life aspect of this, when you think of human resource, what, what, what the hell do you think of? For one, you probably think of HR, which that's a whole nother conversation. But what does being a human resource actually mean? That means that a person has the skills, they have the resume, they have the knowledge of the tasks that need to be done, right? They have something about them that makes them useful to other people. You're a human resource. But I think what gets lost in translation is how to be of value instead of how to be a resource. Because it's one thing to do a task well, right? You know what you need to do so you get the job done and you do it well. It's another thing when you can do a job well and do it in a way that's you. So what do I mean by this? You ever go to Starbucks and the person that greets you is fabulous Like, hey, what's going on? Welcome to Starbucks. What can I get you? You know, here's a special today. If you want to get on that special, I got you. I might even throw in a discount at you. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of mood that you're in and however you decide to answer as the customer. The person on that other side, if they're rolling with their personality, if they're rolling with what they do and they're good at what they do, they're going to be able to figure out how to do their job well and still be themselves, right? Even if you show up as a moody customer. They're still probably going to do their job as well as they can and they're going to do it in a very specific way that shows who they are. But what makes them super different is their ability to add value to you as a customer. Their value is them being themselves, right? So even if you say, no, I, I don't want that. No, I don't want this. No, I don't want that. Maybe they're a person who wants to make you laugh and they end up cracking a joke and they make you laugh. You know what happens once you leave the drive-thru after you get your food or your drink or whatever? You remember how you felt in that moment with the person taking your order. So what happens? You leave there and you associate that feeling that you had, that laughter feeling, that good feeling, that warmth in your body feeling with that store. And it's because of that person. That means that, guess what? You're probably going to go back there because you had a good experience with that person not even necessarily with the store. You had a good experience with that person. That's value. That's adding human value. Say the same person's at the window, presents you with all these options, um, but says it in a very monotone manner. And you say, no, 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 I don't want this. don't want this. And they just say, okay. They give you your food at the window and then you just drive off. Like they don't really have any type of exchange with you. They don't try to make a connection with you. You might not go back to that joint unless you really like the food, right? And that's my point. You have to understand your value and then pair it with your human resource, what it is that you do. And that pairing is what I think the human experience is. You know, one of the biggest mistakes we make as human beings is forgetting that other people are human beings too. I'm talking about the way we treat people. The way we treat people in customer service jobs, man. And I, I mean, I do it too. We are so quick to forget that there's a person on the other end of our need, right? In any customer service, any workable job that a human is in, what I think is wild too is like, we will get so upset with customer service out of like, I want, I'll say it's like a um, superiority. As the customer, you have the power. So you feel the sense of seniority in the, in the position that you are in when you're talking to customer service. It's actually really wild when you zoom out of immediate experiences that you're in. Think about how many times you got upset with somebody over the phone that was simply doing their job trying to help you. The amount of time that you got upset with a waitress, whether they were right or wrong, whether they fucked up your order, or whether they were just like not giving you what you wanted. Like any experience that you have with somebody who's in a position to help you, that's a shared experience, man. And what's really unfortunate about it is that, like I said, we deny that other person a chance to be human in that moment because we expect to hear yes, we expect to get exactly what we want. Well, guess what? The human error is real. Like people make mistakes. You make mistakes, right? It's okay for you to make mistakes, but it's not okay for other people to make mistakes. We forget that other people are human. You know, one of the best ways to slow down is to change your focus in moments, Focus on the connection that you're making with that person in that moment, more so than the task that you're trying to accomplish, more so than the outcome that you're looking to get. You're never going to get moments back once they're gone. You ever think about that? There's so many shared experiences that we have, we don't even realize are happening. At the end of the day, what's life actually about? Is it about accomplishing your task that you need to do? Or is it about building a connection? I mean, that's your call to make. Let me remind you that I am trying to challenge your perspective on what it means to be human. So when I say what I'm about to say, it is meant to challenge you. In my experience, work-life balance is extremely difficult to do when you love what you do. Because it's one of those things where your resource and your value seem like they align. That's a great place to be. I think what is really challenging about balancing, right, your job and then your life outside of that. You're doing the things that you need to do to foster success in your job and in your life, right? It seems like it's an actual part of you. Now on the other side of things, it's still very difficult to balance work life if you don't love what you do. I think the problem here is that we see self as the resource needed. It's a simple understanding that I'm in this job because I know things that pertain to this job. So you show up, work your eight to five or work more than that or less than that. And you do the things that are asked of your employer. So it's this simple act of understanding that you are a human resource and you have to be in that space. Whether you love what you do or you hate it, being a workhorse is definitely advice. Whether you specifically want to or whether you feel like you're being forced to, you get in that zone where you're like always available. I say it's advice because we, we really do get addicted to work. Whether it's a driver because we love what we do, we still get in the zone where we're so locked in on the final result that we're doing and we're doing and we're doing, what we give up is the present moment. I don't think we're able to be as present as we possibly can be because it's so outcome focused. I mean, maybe it's to survive, yeah. Maybe we just think it's something that we have to do in order to keep our job. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't do your work, but what I'm saying is like the 24-7 on mode of work, that's like super not healthy. And I bring that up because that's one of the ways that I think that we get so caught up in being a human resource rather than having human value. The number one cause of injury within elite athletes is overuse. Um, Ryan Holiday talks about it in his book, Stillness is Key. It's not the collision that injures the athlete. They collapse because they push themselves so far, they hit a breaking point. Like if your body doesn't rest properly, it can't perform at its highest levels. That's normally where most athletes get their injury because they're trying to push through, they're trying to push through. Like that's fantastic. But at some point you have to have a limit for yourself of pushing through certain barriers. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that being a workhorse is a bad thing. I do think there's a cap on how to push being a workhorse like you can't be on 24 7 you're not a fucking battery that's not how it works you're a living human being that needs breaks and needs recovery right and i like to look at this in two different facets i like to look at okay what's what's the efficient workhorse look like what's that what's that load look like and then compare it to inefficiency what does that look like i look at it like this like whether we have open tabs on our brain or we have open tabs on our computer. I think we can be efficient with multiple tabs open either in our head or, like I said, in our, on, our, on our screen. Here's the thing, though. If we have five tabs open on our computer, those five tabs have to be interrelatable to the one source that we're working on, okay? What I'm saying is we got five tabs open. The only way to be efficient in that process in managing these different tabs is by making sure that they're interrelated back to one specific thing. There's no distraction tab. There's no YouTube on. There's no checking the football game. There's there's none of those tabs can be on if we're going to be efficient in trying to juggle multiple tabs being open. To me, that is organized chaos. You can function in that system and you can do so in a healthy manner, right? I start to see these five tabs being open as inefficient when um, they're not interrelatable, right? When, there, when there's multiple tabs open um, that are random. So how our brain works, we can only focus on one thing at a time. So you look at a 10 minute span, two minutes, we're going to focus on the one job task that we're actually trying to do. The next two minutes, we're going to check our phone and look at our social media. The next two minutes, we're going to research something that we thought about earlier in the day. Then we're going to go back to the main tab and refocus what we were actually supposed to be doing because that's definitely a thing. We forget what the hell we were even doing in the first place. Then we might take the next two minutes to start researching what it is that we're even supposed to be doing in the first place. Ten minutes go by, you may get one or two percent of what you're actually trying to do done. That is inefficiency. And I think it's the same thing when it comes down to like making decisions. If you have five tabs open that are not interrelatable, you are not going to be efficient at how you make decisions. My point is that if we only see self as a resource, it is extremely tempting to have multiple tabs open that have nothing to do with each other. Because all we see is all the different directions that we're being pulled, That all the things that we need to do because of what we know. The piece of this that I'm challenging is combining your human resource with With your human value. My opinion, adding the human value piece helps us stay efficient in what we're doing, helps us align seeing self as a resource and seeing self as having value. And this is one of those things that you have to understand as a human being because the world we live in is so ever changing, it's so fast. People expect instant gratification, people want the now, people want to use you as much as they can, as quick as they can, and people do not care about your health on the back end. This is where things like boundaries come into place. Like you can't set a boundary if you only see yourself as a resource. Boundaries come into play when you see yourself as having value and you understand, okay, I have limits. Okay, I need rest. Okay, I can say no. People don't see people. Let's just put that out there. People see... The work that is done by people. but They don't see people doing the work. Okay? So let me give you a different visual. Think about your favorite perfume, your favorite cologne. Correct me if I'm wrong. You will use the absolute shit out of that entire bottle. Every last drop till you get to a point where you start dabbing your finger and rubbing it all over your neck, rubbing it on your wrist. I do it too. It is what it is. But think about that, it's a valuable resource to where you are gonna use it to the point that you can't use it no more. When you have that empty bottle, it still holds a lot of value because you're connected to it, because you love it, but it's no longer a resource that you can actually use. It's empty. I mean, relating this back to a point that I had just made about decision making, you are not a bottle of perfume. Like people can't see when you're running on low, when you're running on E. So When you make decisions with multiple tabs open, your judgment is damn sure going to be clouded. But people don't know that. People only see your human vessel. They don't see what's going on in your mind, what's happening internally within your body. For the most part, right, people don't know when your judgment is clouded. The other thing that I want you to consider is the amount of disconnection that goes on in our world. We miss opportunities to connect human to human every single second. And it doesn't even start with how we connect with other people. It starts because we miss the connection with self. How we speak to other people is a direct reflection of our own self-talk. You have to first see yourself to know yourself before you can try to know another person. You have to know yourself in order to connect. You have to know something about you to make a connection. And it it could be unconscious, honestly. It could be... In the subconscious, it doesn't even have to be something that's conscious for you to make a connection with somebody, but you do have to understand that there's some value within self before you make a connection with other people. And honestly, I think it starts with just looking, looking at the value that a human brings to the experience that you share with them. You know, I mentioned it earlier. There are so many shared experiences that we miss out on, man, because we're not looking at people. We're looking at the task, we're looking at the job, we're looking at time, we're thinking about time, we're thinking about other people in certain moments. If you want to see the value in humans, you have to be present with the humans that you're with and you, self, are included in that. You got to slow down your world though. You have to rest, you have to recover, you have to be still. Being still is one of the finest arts of being human. It's an experience, it's an expression, it's a recognition that I exist. You have to see, feel, hear moments so that over time you can pay attention to sharing those experiences with other people. You ever look back at experiences that you had with people and talk about it with them? If you're lucky, you might experience it the same way that they do. More often than not, your experience, what you felt, what you saw, what you heard, how you remember it probably has a different dialogue than the other person one i think that's actually really cool that, we, that two people can experience a moment very very differently but two we also miss out on the opportunity to connect in that moment we try to connect with the person through the use of the shared memory well that's still available if we're present in the shared moment that obviously later carries that memory value i don't know I hope this challenges you to look at what are you sacrificing in your life right now? Are you being a human resource? And do you see your own human as having value? I honestly think that we sacrifice the wrong things in life to get what we want. I think that we sacrifice health, connection, time, money. At the end of the day, I want to remind you that being human is a privilege. Being human is a gift. Being human is rare. And being human is about connection. So as you journey off into your day, your night, your week, maybe even your month, consider the possibility of reframing your idea of what it means to be human. And here's my final thought. In understanding human value, it comes down to one core element, the language that you use to describe it. I think if you truly want to understand the value that you have as a human you have to look at the core of how you exist. I think one of the core elements of how we experience life starts with our language. So if you can look at your own language and how you describe value, how you describe human, you can put them together and live an intentional life as a human being. Before you head out of here, I just wanted to take a quick moment of your time to say thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to each episode. Thank you for having conversations with me. You know, this is something new for me and I'm having a lot of fun with it. But man, if you want to have direct conversation with me, please go check out my social media. I'm most active on Instagram, so that's the link that I'll leave in the description. But yeah, man, that's a great place to reach me and just to have further conversation about some of these things that we're talking about. And the other thing is, this is a new podcast, so if you guys can leave a rating and a review, that would be awesome. And hey, if you've already done that, please continue to share this podcast with your friends and your family. The whole point of this is to inspire people to connect on a deeper level with themselves. If I can just spark the interest in some people to do that. Because all it takes is a little bit of hope, a little bit of curiosity, a little bit of exploration, a little bit of stepping outside the box. Man. That's what makes recording these conversations by myself so worth it. And last thing, if you want to know how to support the show in other ways, please be sure to go check out that link in the description. Until next time, I'll see you.